Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Dan Q. Makalua. The Man Team. Mega Bears Fan. Welcome to the 300th. That's right. You heard correctly. The 300th episode of Polycast. I'm your regular co-host, Daniel Danku. Quick. Joined by Stephanie, who's more commonly known online as Makalua. I always get so weirded out. When, well, no, you call me it sometimes. I feel I feel those. I think maybe once or twice. But when people look when I'm online and people use my actual name, I, I get weirded out. <laughs> So, Mackie would like to get weirded out more. I believe that's just what I No, heard. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to intentionally use three syllables rather than two. I guess we could annoy yeah. her, start calling her Steph. But there you <laughs> go. See, and that's only one syllable. So there you go. Yeah. Oh dear, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure this is why people use Phil rather than the main team in like Turncast, is <laughs> because yeah. it would be quite annoying to say the main team or TLIT like <laughs> every time. That's true. Yeah, it takes too long. It takes too long to say the me and team stop. We can just go, Phil, stop. Or, no Phil. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely no Phil. That uh, that T-shirt's still on order. Don't worry about it, Mackie. You'll get it at some point in the future. <laughs> oh, what's the image on that T-shirt? <laughs> Is there like a what what in the background with like a, an, an obnoxious smile going on? <laughs> Maybe a nuke somewhere. No, there's a creative selfie of an elbow that looks like a. Well, you know what. Uh, joined by Philip Alou, otherwise known online as the Me and Team. <laughs> We're the Energizer podcast, apparently. Welcome all. We keep going and going and going and going. So, this is the 300th episode of Polycast. We're in our 12th season. Mackie and I have been regular co-hosts from the beginning. And Phil, you joined us in 2009, so you're coming up on nine years on this show. Yep, yep. And something that I feel that's worthwhile acknowledging that we didn't get to at the end of 2017. Phil, you do realize you have also been on the show more than 200 episodes like Mackie and I, right? Yes, I realize this because I, I joined before episode 100. I was there for episode 100. So, yes, I just don't think about it too much. <laughs> I mean, you would have reached episode 200 in terms of your appearances a little sooner if you were here every other Saturday for nine years. I don't know why there would possibly be interruptions in that. Yeah, there haven't been too many, though. No. Only a few a year, so... No, no, I'm still waiting for the signed permission notes that you could be away. <sighs> you want me to have a method to deliver those to you? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> it will be the world's biggest size file of the troll face. You might get more than just signed permission notes. I'm just saying. Yeah, as long as I've got the signed permission notes, everything else is just gravy. <laughs> um, um. Yeah, man, we'll go with that. We are, of course, going to be talking about 300 episodes of Polycast, but I guess our listeners really want us to talk about the real news, which is the release of the first expansion pack for Civilization VI. Rise and Fall released two days before all around the world. The first plays are coming in from your quote-unquote average player as opposed to your professional previewers and your social media celebrity previewers past guests on this show including a former regular co-host a little later during this recording before we bring on our first set of guests we're going to start off with one thing we really like about the expansion 
one thing we don't like, and the next thing you plan to do with the game. And I'm going to start with Mackie. <laughs> well, so far I'm enjoying the ages type of thing. I do like that. Although, hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm still in such a learning phase. I don't know if I can immediately point out something I don't like. Although I, I've seen people on the forums mentioning the dark light change between Dark Age and Golden Heroic, and they're like, my eyes! But those people need to turn their screen down a little bit or something. <laughs> or put on sunglasses. Or both, one or the other. What, yeah, yeah, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, just play the game in sunglasses. <laughs> because Steve is so bright, we have to wear shades? What? Apparently. And so what's the next thing you plan to do with the game? <laughs> Well, I have to try a different Civ. I haven't finished the game I started as Korea yet, which I think I'm about to lose anyway, but oops. Oh. I knew I should have punched the Dutch in the face. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say, I really need to play a different civilization. I had to play with Australia because, you know, the colors are different now. I had to make sure it was the same <laughs> experience. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that would be me, but yeah. No, 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 no. I wanted to see how powerful the Say ones are, and that's, that's a pretty good boost in the early game, actually. What I like most are the conceptions brought in, like the new mechanics and how they can interact with the game. They're not perfect yet, but they're there, and uh, a lot of them are good ideas. So that I like a lot. My gripe is going to be the same as it's been since the start of Vanilla. The game is still poorly implemented in terms of user interface. It still takes way, way too much effort slash time slash inputs to progress through the game. That has improved a little bit, but very little for how bad it is across the last uh, over a year. Uh, AI's a little better. Uh, I know that's a big complaint for a lot of people. I'm, I'm still willing to give them more of a pass on the AI than I am on the UI, because AI is much harder. What I plan to do next is to dumpster Dan. There we go. I will train and defeat you. You know, I take it back. I just realized what my pet peeve is. When you have great works, every time they come, great works, great works, great works, and have your great works, and have your great works. No, where is the button that says, I don't want to trade my great works, now piss off. <laughs> just remembered how bad that was. What I really like about the Rise and Fall expansion is the historic timeline. It's something that I wish would translate into the in-game notifications that we get otherwise. It's that, okay, the expansion introduced this new feature, Historic Timeline, which we can go back and see on what turn, what year, what happened, what the error score was, but still I missed that notification about who's trading with whom, and I can't see that information. Surely the gosh, that's being tracked. So that's what I would like to see next, although I'm going to combine that with my real negative right now is the first era trying to get out of going into a dark age into that second era that 12 era score just seems to be elusive unless you happen to be a civilization that has a really unique unit or a unique improvement that you can place down you're the first to discover a natural wonder you find a whole bunch of goody huts something 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 so my plan for the next time that i play is to, in fact, and this is kind of something I talked about before, to try to keep myself in a dark age purposely that I talked about doing, and then try to propel myself in the next age into a heroic age, and see how that compares with just trying to stay, say, in a normal age from one era to another, which shouldn't be too difficult to do from the outset of the game, because I'm pretty well guaranteed to be in a dark age anyway. <sighs> yeah, just stay out of the forward settlements, I guess. Forward settlement plus dark age, yeah. Try not to... <laughs> Try not to combine those two. It can be a little oh, yeah, annoying. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or actually, um, go ahead and do that and forward settle me then. Uh, that's also acceptable. <laughs> Hello, Canis Albinus. Hello. And hello to Michael Uber Marklar Bryant. What? Howdy. <laughs> wow, Uber still loves us. Oh my gosh. You actually woke up for this? What? Awesome. Uh, Welcome. Disturbingly. Yeah. It's been over a year and it's still the same group of wackos. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Canis, your first pro and your first con and your next step for Civilization VI Rise and Fall. What's going on with your gameplay? I uh, very much appreciate the fact that things are more fleshed out. Some of the units seem like they're weird. Like, I have not yet used the pike and shot. I'm not sure how to use that unit, because I'm always... I'm like at muskets before I even notice that that's a unit. I think the whole anti-cavalry line is still kind of (laughs) iffy. Yeah, there needs to be another set of units in there somewhere. But it needs to be less of a liability for anything other than cavalry. Like, okay, yeah, it should counter cavalry, but because it doesn't counter cavalry that well, and it's such a a liability otherwise, that hurts. That hurts using it. Yeah. I would say for me right now, I find I get a pike and shot when I upgrade a pikeman to that kind of incidentally. I don't go out of my way to construct those things like you can. They're and they're gone. They're not really that distinctive. There's this weird bug that happens sometimes where the audio just disappears entirely. You'll hear the music stop, and there won't be music again for a very long time. And then you'll also have periods where, oh, the units stopped making noises, and the interface stopped making noises. And then that'll come back, but the music is still gone, and I don't like that. Because audio is very important in this game for me. Yeah. Hmm. So is your next step to try to figure out why it's doing that or something else my next step is to play as shaka and uh, wallop <laughs> somebody <laughs> those core and army boosts are pretty nuts though considering chorus and army is already strong and shaka's plenty else going for him without that too it's quite good yep <laughs> uber what are you liking most about civilization six rise and fall right now uh, about that um i don't own it yet so Nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in that case, I'll rephrase. What are you liking most about what you're reading about and hearing about the expansion? <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, for some reason, decided to not include Canada as a personal affront to you, so I'm offended on your behalf. Uh, well, I very much appreciate that solidarity. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess uh, my next step is to just sort of actually watch people play it and then learn, because I have no idea what's going on in Civ Six. What would make you pick up Civilization Six Rise and Fall, or what are you waiting to happen before you purchase the expansion to then presumably play it afterwards? Uh, not be lazy enough not to buy it, I guess. <laughs> it's Steve. You go. You click button. I know, but effort. Oh. <laughs> are you sure it's not the learning curve of the game? Because that seems like it's your actual barrier, not... <laughs> well, you no, know, I'm going to have... It'd be, you know, I'll start watching Dan or you play during a turn cast and then try and figure out what the hell is going on, and then I could potentially buy it try learning it because yeah the last time i played that game was on release so there have been some changes yeah it's been suggested in the chat from alpha shard that uh, so canis needs to buy rise and fall for uber this would be a really dangerous precedent if canis come on now. the rest of us and yeah be like you know what I- i'm just not certain I'm-, I'm gonna buy it i'm too lazy to press that button to buy it and then canis <laughs> be like oh that's okay i'll buy it for you i'm not made of money 
Well, that's true. If you give Candace the money first, then I'm sure he can buy it for you. Well, sure, but yeah. that's even more effort. Money. Not no, yeah, money. that's Don't... awkward. <laughs> well, thanks to both of you for coming on and, of course, celebrating 300 episodes of Polycast. There will be the, the final comment for our guests as we go through the uh, rotational. Any uh, comments about Polycast reaching episode 300? I'll start with Uber. Uh, congratulations. I'm kind of disappointed there's no loincloths and body oil like the movie, but whatever is work, and I hope you have more singing, because that is the best part. Well, <laughs> we will certainly see what we can do about the singing. As for the loincloth... Uber, why? <laughs> Some things never change, Mackie. As for the uh, loincloth and uh, body oil, all you have to do is go to your imagination station. We're not the flag bearer from Tonga. Canis, what... <laughs> comment on Polycast reaching episode 300. Ow. I like it. Good job. Congratulations. Keep up the good work. The musical is still in the works. Wait, the first thing, did you say ow? Yes. Yep. It's a lot of episodes that I have to go back and re-listen to if I ever decide to do that again. Just listen on 2x speed. Delete chipmunk voice. That's right. So, we're going to bring on our next guests. Hey, Scott. Hello, Dan. Hello, Mackie and Phil. Greetings. You do realize, by the way, that this is what we call a non-scoring polycast for guest co-hosts, so this actually doesn't <laughs> increment your guest co-host experience. Did I forget to mention Good. that before Thank you agreed you. to be on the show? Oh, gee, was that purposeful? Yes, you did. Thank- <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> but then I can be on another one this year. Yay! <laughs> uh, in theory, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're also saying hello to Stormtrooper412. Hello, Storm. Hello. Good to be back here. Really, really nice crew going again. Yay. Again, wait, again, that implies there, wait, there was an interruption in the good crew? Wait, what happened? Well, there's time between our episodes, Dan. Well, yeah. You know, broadcast I mean, 24-7 and stream every day. <laughs> <laughs> so far, I'm liking the era system and the timeline where it you know, records all your events and you can see the, the milestones that you've achieved. And uh, I haven't completed a game of it yet, so I think it would be a really cool experience to just see the, the length and breadth of all the stuff that you've done over the game. What do you consider ending a game? Is that a victory condition? Is that when you rage? Is it something else? Well, it's a victory condition, at least I try to. There are sometimes games that I stop playing and don't come back to, but yeah, it would be a victory condition would be an end. But I guess, you know, getting destroyed or wiped would be an end as well. <laughs> Well, you kind of don't <laughs> let you play anymore if you lose, uh, yeah. so, or if you die outright, that is. Mm-hmm. If you lose, you can keep playing, but <laughs> if your ship gets wiped, <laughs> then yeah, it's kinda, that kind of ends the game. Actually, another thing I like that I noticed when I was playing was the whole border now, where if you settle a city, you'll see these negative points, negative loyalty points, that if you settle there, you'll start getting negative loyalty and most likely get your city flipped. I like that, and I hope that discourages forward settling. I, I haven't played enough to see that, but I, it would seem like it would. It does a little bit, but one incident I've had in this game I've got going is Korea. Is The Netherlands came and settled on an island with me that, that has a city-state on it, too. And that city had a chance to flip from the start, and it didn't take five turns to flip. And it's like, you know, maybe they need to increase the threshold for the AI looking at that, that it needs to balance whether it wants some resource versus how fast is my city going to flip. Yeah. 
Yeah, that negative number that you see right when you construct a seller and it's showing you the negative loyalty pressure that would be applying there, that number, of course, is is an absolute, right? It's like you're going to be getting negative 20 from this or negative 15. Yeah. But it's not taking into account the amount of loyalty that you would apply because you'd be applying loyalty right from the beginning as soon as you settle the city. It might not be enough, but you settle the city and you see, oh my gosh, this is going to rebel the next number of turns. But I've found that uh, not necessarily up to negative 20, but certainly negative 5 and negative 10. And just anecdotally here, you settle the city and you do two things subsequently. Number one, you get Victor in there because he's going to take three turns. That governor, he can get there. He can apply some loyalty pressure. And number two, you get yourself a melee unit and you garrison it inside the city. By doing that, it can very quickly then be that, oh, I already have full loyalty, or full loyalty will arrive to me in X number of turns. So the only reason I bring this up is that don't let that completely discourage you. But at the same time, if it's, I'm just going to say again right now, if it's minus 10 or less, and it's a really good site, and you don't mind the fact that you're forward settling on someone, you'll probably get a comment from the AI, but it also could be worth a score. Then get you this plus one or plus two that uh, people are surprised that you were so, you know, had the audacity to settle so close to another civilization. <laughs> and then you can try. You can be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see you there. So is it, are you going to try that now? Have I influenced you, Scott, on what you're going to try next yeah. in the game? Or do you have something else in mind? Yeah? Yeah, I think that's something to try out. I mean, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Just don't forward settle me or I declare war on you. Uh, Stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're all going to declare war on Dan, uh, Scott, so you don't have to worry about <laughs> da, 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 da. that. What are you most enjoying about the Rise and Fall expansion for Civ Six right now? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> And the thing I like the most, uh, this may come as a shock, is the age system. It's pretty much the consensus that it's the best idea they've had uh, so far. And it's kind of forcing you to be on your toes. You know, you don't get to uh, have a a really low um, patch of your game. You know, when you had, uh, like in 5, when you had uh, big unhappiness issues and then uh, all all of your economy suddenly drops and all of that. And uh, it seems like the emphasis this time is uh, more on on keeping yourself constantly good throughout the game as you move uh, across the ages. But uh, at the same time, it creates incentive to uh, keep an eye out on multiple aspects of your civilization. You don't just get to focus on science or on culture, or, or at least that's my impression. You have to balance everything and uh, stay on top of uh, all of your categories. This also ties in with the loyalty thing, because I think it might discourage the concept of city spamming, which was... Well, and still is the uh, biggest issue I have with this game. If you settle too many cities, uh, then you run the uh, priest risk of having some of their cities being uh, tipped over due to low loyalty score, due to uh, bad management or just about anything else. This free city concept seems really neat, right? Where it's, okay, the civilization no longer has control over this city. It is now a free city, except you then get the notification right away, you mouse over it and it says it's going to rebel or whatever the term is in X number of turns. That free city is completely transitory. And I get why it is, because the reason why is that it's flipped. It's not 
flipping to become independent, there's an external force. There's one or more other civilizations that are applying loyalty pressure to that city. So if they're doing that, then all of those turns that it's taking in order to flip, why wouldn't it just flip then over to the control of that other civilization after the X number of turns it took to flip rather than become a free city in the middle? I would rather see it be like a free city and then the possibility that it remains independent. I'd like to see that concept expand in a different context, but right now it just feels like an unnecessary stopgap. Well, yeah, I mean, an obvious solution to that would be that uh, a city without a, a clear major influence eventually becomes a city-state. That's not a bad idea, I think. Yeah, I've got this odd situation in the game I have going that the Netherlands took over Auckland early in the game. And it's been part of them. And then it flipped into a free city probably 20 turns ago. And it had to have been from the pressure I was putting on it from two cities I had nearby. But it's sitting there and it's staying as a free city. It's not changing. And I don't know why when it flipped out of the Netherlands, it didn't flip back to being a city-state. Sounds like that's maybe broken somehow. Yeah, and they're acting like barbs. They actually were up next to my city and stuff because you can't talk to them or deal with them or anything. Maybe you need to conquer it to make it a city-state again and then liberate it. I guess so. I got a spare army. I could go do that. It just seems a waste of a way to do it when there should be a Mm -hmm. diplomatic way for me to influence them more. I agree, but I wonder if they follow through maybe on Scott's suggestion there and see what happens. See if now in taking that free city, you get that option to in turn around liberate it. And maybe it does have something to do with the fact that it was initially a city-state as compared to a city that a Civ proper founded before. It's interesting. There may be something there. It may have something else completely going on, but kind of a process of elimination point there. I guess from a roleplay aspect, you could imagine that the city is in total chaos. There's no leadership or anything. And their previous leadership when they were a city-state was killed when they were conquered. So you go in there and and establish order and say, okay, guys, here's your order again. And then they become a city-state again when they have leadership again. Storm, any comments, reflections about Polycast reaching 300 episodes? What is up with that anyway? How come we're still allowed to be on the internet? I think it's a really, really good thing. And it shows just how much enthusiasm for this thing you people still have. It really fills my heart with joy, to use a a cliche. Because, you know, in in this world where everything is instantly instantly comes and goes, it's amazing how something still manages to uh, hold off the uh, influence of other media, other content, other just about everything. It's one of the really, really good things about uh, internet culture in general. Well, thank you kindly. First, heart emoji. Second, it made me think of how whenever I hear some other podcasters still refer to podcast as new media, and I think, oh, I think particularly in Internet Years, podcast is no longer new media. We can go ahead and we can retire that term. It's just like a radio station that says, welcome to the new XFM or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, you've had the same format for the past 15 years. You can be quiet now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this editorial brought to you by <laughs> uh, Scott. As the most frequent guest co-host on this show, I am certain you have a definitive thought on Polycast reaching 300 episodes. Well, congratulations, first off, and it is, has been fun, and I have to agree and echo a lot of what Stormtrooper said, that you know, it's really nice to have something that's lasted more than like a blink of an eye with so many things on the internet just come and go. It's more than a fad, it's you know a tradition, it's, it's 
something substantial and you know it adds to i think our cultural you know our prep culture and yeah i've had a lot of fun on the show and i hope we do another <laughs> 100 200 more i don't know um <laughs> mackie's face bombing right now <laughs> um, we know we say something about that but then every time we say that it keeps going and going like that energizer bunny <laughs> <Keep laughs> yeah i mean if they keep making civ games i, I figure podcasting keep going that's why there is still civilization titles because they want polycast to keep going. Oh, 2K and Firaxis. <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. Uh, you're softies at heart. We knew it. We knew it. 300th episode of the show being recorded just a couple of days after the Rise and Fall expansion was released. But then again, when Civilization VI was released, it marked exactly 10 years since the first episode of the polycast episode was published. So I think this is 2K and Firaxis' way of making up to us, or trying to make up to us, the fact that they don't coordinate otherwise. So we appreciate the effort. We will send you a participation certificate. Monthar, hello. Hello, and good morning, or afternoon, whatever. I was going to say, you're about one minute too late for morning. (laughs) I'm only awake for about an hour now, so it's still morning to me. Monthar, what are you most enjoying about Rise and Fall right now? I would have to say the loyalty system and, and uh, actually getting other cities to flip to neutral and then either capturing them without having to go to war or really pushing your loyalty to flip them to your side. So you're looking at the loyalty to supplement open armed conflict in order to expand your empire? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and if I have to, I'll back it up with MPs. Oh. oh, what if you play as a civilization, not the Zulu? Then what are you going to do? Same. Just back it up with whatever units they've got. Back it up with Watcha. <gasps> Watcha. Thanks, Maggie. Well, it's the gift for putting Korea in this. And I know you had also put in the chat during our little discussion about applying loyalty pressure that you can settle another city between the forward and core cities to help the loyalty. Absolutely. So I guess it can be a situation where, oh, I see you forward settled me. What? Oh, no, that's okay. I'm not going to take out that city. I'll just maybe settle another city near you. And that my two cities combined to the city that you forward settled me will put pressure on this particular city. And then it will rebel. And I guess maybe in that respect, in that respect, I do like how it is right now that it would become a free city. Because if it's Oh, hey, you'd like to join my empire. I get a choice if you can join them or not. If you decline, it'll stay a free city. You can accept it, and it'll be yours. And if it belonged to another major civ, you could also give it back to them. What are you disliking about Rise and Fall right now? I think the biggest thing I don't like is the AI still will not go and settle all this empty stand on the other side of them. Instead, they'd rather come to your land. I've had games where they keep wanting to come toward me, come toward me, and bitching about how close I'm settling, but <laughs> explore more. I find they've got this huge swath of land that they could have put a good 10 cities in that they haven't even touched. Viable land, too. It's not like, oh, well, they're completely ignoring this tundra and forward settling on you because there's all this grassland and plains. Yeah, exactly. And it just annoys me that my land is what they really want and not all this other great land that they could have had. Along with the loyalty, I can go and settle that and my core over here and then the new core over there putting pressure and start flipping their cities and say, screw you. 
I totally get the forward settling on you if they're perceiving you as a threat. Plus, oh, I'm going to block you from taking cities, more city sites, by settling them first. But that doesn't preclude them from then filling out the space on the other side of their empire, which would make them even more powerful than to go smack you with. Yeah, well, it's good to know, yeah, that that's still carrying over in the expansion pack. Air quotes, good to know. But it also means, like I was saying with the loyalty, I settle these. Okay, you want to forward on me? Well, how about I go settle some on the other side of you? And then I got pressure from two sides. The AI would end up really messing themselves up by doing that. And as long as you've got the means to protect those cities, because they wouldn't be contiguous to your empire, you'd kind of have like an eastern front and a western front or a north and south or whatever it happens to be. But you could certainly set yourself up, as you said, to now apply that loyalty pressure on both sides of their empire, two sides of their empire rather than just one. And all another reason to do it now with the loyalty system, too. I mean, you could do it pre-expansion. You don't have to go get the expansion and try this. You could do that now, but... Hmm, yet another reason to sandwich them in, since they allow you to do it so easily in the first place. Plus what was brought up earlier about the lens when you've got your settler selected showing how much pressure, you can also use that for setting this up with a a few settlers, if you're really pushing it. Get one that's not going to get pressure from theirs first, and then start spreading up toward them in that open area that they left in which case your new cities over there are reinforcing each other while putting pressure on them in fact one of my games with the zulu i did that where i was sandwiched between a couple of sieves but my scout was way over on the other side of the continent where there was not a nice score to settler so i started war took the settler and ended up having to run it all the way up to the coast away from everybody else so i could settle without it being flipped immediately and had that city going for a good long time. So the next thing you're going to do in your gameplay, are you going to try to be that person who will then say, okay, if you're not going to settle this land on the other side of your empire, I'm going to do that and see if you're really able to double down on the loyalty or you got something else in mind? Actually, I was thinking of either going with Scotland or Korea because I haven't done either one of those yet and I just haven't decided. I mean, yes, there's the from Korea, but then there are the Golf courses from Scotland. So you're biased because you love play golf. Well, I'm also biased because I like saying "watcha." So I really don't know what the point to that is. But yeah, but you specifically mentioned Scotland. Point is golf courses. It's true. It's true. Thanks, Mother. You're welcome. Just to Mackie and Phil here, are we getting a theme? Do you think we're getting any common statements about what people are liking or disliking about the game? Or any thoughts about other things that we've heard so far this morning from our guests? I don't think we're going to get too many people who are upset by 300 episodes that agreed to show up. So, you know, it's kind of (laughs) silly. But other than that... (laughs) Well, so far everyone likes the ages and people are still having fun with loyalty. It's been a pain in the ass. So everything else is just like minor bugs and things. Hello to Drew Sane. Hello to the Polycast. Civilization VI, Rise and Fall. What's in the positive column for you right now? I'm really, really liking the emphasis on creating specialized cities. Uh, Rise and Fall has done quite a bit to successfully make me want to create specialized cities at the beginning. And a lot of it has come from the uh, the governors. I wasn't expecting it to be as focused on the governors to make specialized cities to go as far as it was. But yes, after a few rerolls, I've started liking making the game starting with three core cities. I have my capital city, my government city, and my production city. 
you open up with Magnus and put him in a production city and have him spam settlers with free builders as well with the ancestral hall. And then I set uh, Liang in my government city to uh, improve the uh, ancestral hall and get that up ASAP. And then I opened Pingala to make a capital with a great person farm as far as I can. So it makes me much more cognizant of the land around me rather than just taking whatever land I can find at the start. Much more of a liking to Reyna, governor, because uh, you can put her in a city with a harbor and a commercial hub and rake in a lot of money. You know, when I first was first was looking at her, I was thinking, uh, it's just, you know, it's just money. But it's kind of exactly the point. You just put her in a city that can produce gold and you can get a lot of gold out of her. So it, it's nice to have the specialized cities because that's what we were. We talked about this last cast and. And I did say something about, I really hope that this puts specialized cities back on the map, and it really does. So I'm very happy about that. I was just about to make reference to that. Yes, that you and uh, Monthar, who uh, just left this episode, were on the last episode of the show. So being able to use governors to help specialize the intent and purposes of your cities. So that's going well. What is not going well? What is in the doghouse, that negative column? There's a couple. Um, I assume you only want one. So... Should I bitch about the AI or should I bitch about the UI? This may expose my own ignorance more than anything, but the game does not explain important systems again. Um, I had to go to the forums to ask about how to make a tier one building in the government plaza because Civilpedia did not tell me how to do it. And now, you know, it's secondhand, you know, oh, you have to make the tier one government before you can make the tier one building. But for me, I was like, why can't I build the ancestral hall? But it wasn't in Civilpedia for the uh, government district. It wasn't in Civilpedia for any of the government buildings. And all you need to do is just tell me I need to. The only requisite that was uh, shown was the plaza. And I got that up. You could have also just said you also need the government up. Uh, it's a nitpick, but it, it just goes along with every single. Why can't the Civilpedia just tell me what I need to know? Game rules are important to know in a strategy game. It's true. It, it is. Um, the AI is, in my games at least, have been incredibly aggressive I, I, to a point where I think it's um, a negative. The AI should not game throw every start, but I have been seeing the AI just beeline me across the entire entire map, ignoring all the other AIs nearby just to get the player kill. They are killing pretty much every uh, city-state before the ancient era is done, much more than they were before, if I if recall correctly. You kind of have to have that happen because if there's not a city-state between you and the AI, the AI is going to visit you on turn 20. They absolutely will. So Faster on deity sometimes. Yeah, well, I was playing deity on, on that point. Um, oh, okay, was, fair enough. I was on uh, turn 20. But even on Emperor, they were killing all the city-states before An- Ancient was done. And uh, I wish they would not. Well, at least it's a nice change to get the confirmation now that the unmet player that's been defeated was, in fact, a city-state. Not that it's going to come as a surprise, oh, wow. but it happened so early on in the game. But <laughs> Oh, really? Well, thank you for... <laughs> I would like to have city-states in the game. I would like to not just have them be uh, things that you can grab just because AI or an AI is next to it. Well, that's got me curious because I'm wondering now if the emergencies don't trigger until a certain era because while the AI in the game I've got going has taken took a couple of city-states early because <laughs> twice I've had to do an emergency with this one per- who is it? I forget which city-state because they've got the Netherlands on one side and Egypt on the other and they've both tried to attack it and take it. 
but that's only been at least industrial or later that it flagged that. I don't think it flagged it before that. I could see the notifications from the other continent that that was happening too, but the emergencies didn't trigger until much later. I think there's two things going on with that. One of them is the warmonger penalty. So, um, you know, there's not going to be much warmonger if someone tries to take a city-state at the beginning. But also, it's a matter of, um, I think the emergency is dependent on how much uh, envoys are in there. And if you don't have a lot of envoys into um, the city-state, ancient or classical, which, you know, you probably don't, that emergency isn't going to trigger because you don't have the reason to care about that city-state. What is your next step? What are you planning to do in your next new game or in a game that you currently have ongoing? I'm probably going to stop playing the game I am playing, which is, you know, you would think that I'm playing a, a warmonger game because, you know, of how I, much I talk about warmongering. But I'm trying to improve my and refine my ability to use the systems in uh, peacemonger games. I've been playing Robert the Bruce, uh, trying to figure out how to do my peacemonger game a little better. Thank you for joining us on the 300th episode of the show. Keep on seven. Uh, that was fantastic. Make more. <laughs> We're working on it. At present. Bring on our next guest. Hey. Hey. Welcome to the 300th episode of Polycast. Listen. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, the timing of this uh, podcast, because, um, as you know, the expansion came out two days ago, so it's like I've been fresh back into Civ Six a little bit more intensely. What is your first impression, the good, the good about Civilization Six Rise and Fall for you? The interface has improved, and they have a lot of more information on the uh, UI now. And they, they actually managed to, I noticed a minor little change. If you notice, all of the uh, buttons like the turn sphere and all that stuff are a little bit smaller. So you can see more of the uh, the screen. But mostly, I just like the new civs. It's the only thing I really care about are seeing new civs like the Kree and some other characters, which I haven't seen yet. It's a pity that the Kree don't like Civilization Six. They think it's all about conquering, ignoring that's just one part of the uh, game. You know, I mean... F- there's, what, five win conditions, uh, six win conditions, and only one of them is conquer the world. On the other hand, I did stop playing with a quick game speed because I found out that that's not really too good when you're playing with the uh, uh, Dark Age, Golden Age, and all that stuff because it doesn't seem to adjust to that. If I'm playing with normal speed, yeah, I can get to a normal age, but if I'm playing with, with quick, it's like I better hustle or else it's a Dark Age for me. So, yeah, I don't think they balance it for the game speed. We hopefully, towards the end of this episode, we'll be talking about the changes that were made to the base game of Civilization VI, which would in turn apply to those who have the Rise and Fall expansion. Diplomatic actions now scale with game speed, which in and of itself is kind of a vague part of the patch notes. Barbarian difficulty has been updated to scale with each difficulty. No additional information on that. Oh, and gold and faith rewards from tribal villages now scale with game speed. I was playing the Aztecs, and I went heavy into religion. Because one of the things that I was doing to, you know, when I got a normal age uh, to get points was to convert other cities. And I found that no one was trying to convert my cities. So there I was just converting everybody else's city. And they seemed perfectly fine with it, too. I never got that. Stop converting my. No, I'm just going to convert your city. Then it again, seems to a lot me of now it's only had... like when they have a religion, then they'll get not happy with you yeah. converting their cities. But even when they had two other cities on the same continent having their own religion, it was a lot less spammy. I don't know if this is because they hadn't converted everything of their own yet, but I've got Brazil off with their own religion on a different continent, and I have had a, not as bad as before, but there's still a lot of missionaries coming over there. I have a couple of debaters on 
the west coast of my continent going, nope, get off, get off, get off. Yeah, I hit a, a dead end with my first playthrough. And uh, the one gripe that I really have is that they don't really make it quite clear of how you can get points toward your normal age or golden age or whatever. There's a lot of them that are obvious, you know, build a wonder, of course, conquer your first thing and that, you know, but there's still no real telling you you really should be doing this and this and this. And I'm pretty sure there are guides online that tell you what you should be going after. But also like to say a welcome back to Martin Alvito. Hello, Martin. Hello. How are y'all doing? Hello. What is in your positive heading for Civilization VI Rise and Fall? I haven't even had a chance to touch it yet. I like what I see in terms of uh, what's going on with the systems. I think that, you know, it looks like things are headed in a positive direction, but I haven't had a chance to spin it up yet. You are just like Uber Marklar earlier on, who you not had a chance to play with the Rise and Fall expansion. So you talked about what you liked most about what you have been seeing and hearing. What are you disliking the most from what you're seeing and hearing about this expansion? The main thing that uh, I had seen uh, raised as a complaint is that the, you know, that was a problem with, well, five and uh, six really, is that the AI just isn't there yet. And, you know, I know that historically it's, uh, you know, in four, it took a long time and a lot of work by a lot of people to get the AI to where it really needed to be. And I'm not sure it ever fully got that far in five, but I think we've reached the point where these games are sufficiently complex that it's almost becoming more than it's reasonable to ask in terms of getting high quality AI. And it's really unfortunate because for a single player experience like this, it's very important that the uh, AI be able to at least put up a decent resistance. But I, I do think that we're kind of getting to the point where human beings seem to be getting pretty far out in front of um, what we're capable to explain to a machine in terms of the complexity level of these games at this point. Oh, you know, you maniacs, you know, I just stay on Prince level. All you other people are playing on deity. So I really don't really look at oh, what the AI is doing. All I know is it's not cheating. Or at least if it's cheating, it's not cheating in an obvious way like Civ 1. Seems like I got some <laughs> cheats in there. Like it can see through demographics to see your strength and that kind of thing more than a human can, even with the available data. But it's it's not like egregious typically. Although the, this is the first entry in the series where they give strength uh, to, to the AI military units based on difficulty. As far as I'm aware, Civ 5 didn't do that. It's They're also making though. deals that are more slightly in their favor. It used to be that when they made a deal, it would be sort of mutually beneficial, but now it's like, oh, yeah, I also want your work of art, too. No. <laughs> oh, this. Can I have your relic? Uh, you know, I Can like I have Sun your Tzu's artifact? Can I have your work of, of art? Thank you. <laughs> I'm still reading the Sun Tzu's Art of War. You can't have it. No, I like my 20 relic. 20 turns later. Are you done now? <laughs> 20 turns later? No, like five turns later. Are you sure you don't want that artifact? Are you sure you don't want this other one for one of your things? Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm not typically going for a cultural victory condition, so if I happen to pick up one of those things, typically from a tribal village, if an AI comes around and they're willing to shell out any, almost any kind of amount, and they really value this, like, hey, I'll give you 10 or 15 gold for X number of turns, hey, that's fine. The uh, Diplo AI too friendly, then players just turned it into an ATM, and if you make it uh, too unfriendly, then you end up in a situation where you keep, there's no way to cooperate, and it just becomes a warmonger game all game. You can't win that. On the other hand, you, you know, there can, but some... you have to design the game so that there's real incentive to engage in diplomacy. They've tried, like, some of the mechanics they've introduced in this expansion have that in mind. So it's not like this is a foreign concept to the devs. It's just not tuned in a place where it's really usable yet. Has but, anybody like, tried to cast a spell Well, they need to implement a proper cast's belly first. 
Um, okay, I was just wondering if anybody actually did one and if it actually had any weight to it because it was sort of like earlier the game just a slap on the wrist that you can see the fingers crossed between their back. Oh yeah, we won't convert any of your cities. Wink, wink. Yeah, it's the CV system needs some more teeth to it. Like it needs to be able to compel you to peace if you're losing to the war goal, or you need something that tangibly influences the war itself rather than just ah, oh, you got a little more warmonger penalty and that. That's it. Like, well, actually, that reminds me. Has anybody gotten to the point in which they can? They're doing emergency meetings, you know, in which all the other uh, these people are doing this. We better stop them. I haven't yet. That new mechanic. Yeah, I've come across that, and for the most part, the only thing that you've got to watch, and we've alluded to this before, and maybe this is coming from someone who is a warmongering bastard and wouldn't apply to people <laughs> who are not. <laughs> I'm a turtle, I admit it. <laughs> if you are at war with Civilization X, and there's an emergency against Civilization Y, and you and Civilization X are invited, and you accept, you are no longer at war with Civilization X. Wow. That, to me, is real po- politics there. It's sort of like, hmm, do I... Does the game tell you that, though? That that's going to happen? No. Yeah, that's the well, problem. You're essentially that, that's a real problem. I don't care. If you're joining a war, like it needs to tell you the consequences. All of them. All the consequences. Action. I mean, the fact that Civilization X and I agree to attack Civilization Y doesn't mean that Civilization X and I should now be at peace. Well, it isn't really that you're at war with Civilization Y, is it? You're just doing something to try and, you know, it's not always attacking them. It's sort of like embargoing them or stuff like that. Usually you wind up at war, though, with a lot of the emergencies. Well, yeah, I mean, you have that, that temporary emergency, you know, what happens is right after that, it's like, okay, the emergency's off. Let's get back at each other's throats. You can always do things to antagonize the other civilization anyway. It just needs to tell you, like, if this choosing X puts you at peace with the person you're fighting, the game should tell you, hey, (laughs) this will put you at peace. Just send your worst spy to do something incredibly dangerous in that country. And when they say, why are you spying on us? You say, screw you. I don't care. I'm going to spy on you no matter what. So what are you going to do about it? (laughs) I think there's a very real disconnect between those of us that are, you know, up at our age and then the kids that are, you know, coming from a very different video gaming world in terms of the situation like this where you have a rule that's not disclosed clearly to you. I think that they're used to just pushing buttons and seeing what happens, where those of us that grew up with a three-inch thick manual for playing Falcon 3.0 kind of see rules a little differently than they do. The Falcon 4.0 had a notebook. Well, <laughs> it had a literal binding notebook. And I remember when Civilization still had manuals. I still have mine for Civilization oh, and I saw Civilization that when you, too. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point there, Martin, about generational point. If you want to be someone, regardless of what generation you're from, and you want to smash buttons and see what happens, you can go ahead and do that. Presenting that information on the interface to someone like me, to someone I think like us on this panel, that would like to know in this situation, if you agree to join this emergency with this person, it suspends whatever conflict that you're currently having. I mean, it's true that after 10 turns, I could go and turn and declare on Civilization X again, but... That could mean, first off, whatever units I've gotten, obviously, in our territory has been ejected somewhere else on the map, number one. But I'm kind of losing that momentum, too, and they might have a chance to rebuild their defenses, move troops in, etc. So just give me that information. That's the one thing to note. I think it's because of the rise of GameFact, Dan. You know, people say, oh, you don't know? Well, go to GameFact. They'll explain it. They're going to have strategies there and say, well, you know, actually, if this does that, you know, you have a 2.5 chance of this, 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 you know. And I think game manufacturers are relying on people sharing information more than before because, remember, back in the day, you know, the Internet was not quite as big. So you, if you were confused about something, you had to go root through the manual. Now you just have to go root through and do a Google search 
for stuff. Yeah, at some point, gamers should be doing, I think if you're really serious and you're really vested in it, you're going to go find out what the best strategy is. But that seems like a very pertinent piece of information to me. It's just as important as telling me the combat strength of this unit or the current population in my city and the number of turns it's going to take to grow to the next turn. And this is a strategy game, too. So this is the kind of information that we would like to know. And if you don't need to know that or want to ignore that, then you could ignore that information on the screen. And you should be able to go in and modify your user interface so you can hide that information if you don't want that. But seeing as how... We're both being called into this emergency, and by making this decision, it is going to impact a decision that you made before, or quite frankly, maybe they're the ones that declared war on you, and this would suspend that. That's an important piece of information to make an informed decision about whether or not you want to join the emergency, and quite frankly, often the reward that you get for it being successful, given when emergencies come about, which seem to be like a little later in the game, it's, it's a neat mechanic, but it feels very underwhelming to to the point of aggravating missing this piece of information. But in any event, I'm certain we'll be looking more at emergencies as time goes on. Have any of you gone into the alliances part, the new interface they have for that? I have not yet. Just a little bit to to test the waters, quite honestly. And actually, most of that's been with some uh, fellow human players. Uh, one person in particular <laughs> we played, and we just, oh, hey, I just got declared on by this AI in a, in a cooperative game. And I said, uh, so let's join a military alliance. Okay, and then that brought him into the game, but the game came to our own conclusion before we got to see to the end of that alliance to then see, okay, now we're going to get to level two, let alone level three of what that's going to look like. It looks really good. Hopefully it becomes meaningful to the point that we actually pay attention to alliances being in the game. It's certainly setting it up for success. Let's hope it actually delivers on the promise of that information. 300 episodes of Polycast. So when you hear that, <laughs> Jonah, what is your response or guttural omission or combination of the two? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, just, Dan, I've known you since long before us when it was a politan and, you know, we had a, there was a forum on Sid Meier's dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, it's just a natural progression of what's been going on for the past, ooh, 15 years at least for us, if I know the number correctly. Maybe more, I don't know. Pushing to give or take 20 years, Jonah, since we first Yeah, I mean, online, we, can, so. we have to do it by games and not by years. It's like early Civ 3, I think. <laughs> <laughs> when we were saying, ooh, great, borders. We love borders. <laughs> and certainly there are a lot of Civ players that can relate to. So when you want to understand and think about when, it's like, how old is this computer? Okay, well, when did this Civilization title come out? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's when I bought this new machine. And Martin, 300 episodes of Polycast. What is the first thought that comes to mind when you hear that? So I was doing a little bit of math in my head. So bi-weekly, 300 episodes, that's something like 11 and a half years. Don't do that math. I can't think think of anything in my life uh, in terms of a bi-weekly commitment that I've kept to for 11 years. My hat is off to your dedication. Well, thank you very much. Thank you both for being on the show. And hopefully you have not injured yourself too much, Martin, by doing that math. We are in the <laughs> season of the show. <laughs> Who knows? Maths. Jonah, Martin, thank you for being on Polycast episode 300. See well, you later. First, we're going to say hello to Anna Lee Cardamandua. Hello, Anna Lee. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I am great. And we're also going to say hello to Alexander. Hello, Alexander. Hi, how's it going? Good, and how are you, sir? Doing quite well, thank you. Alexander, I'm going to start with you. 
what is, from your first impressions of Civilization VI Rise and Fall, what is tops of the best? I mean, hopefully there's more than one thing that you like about the expansion, but we'll start with one. I've got to say it's Robert the Bruce. He's one of my ancestors, so seeing him in the game is a real treat. Oh, okay. So have you played as Scotland at this point, then? Yes, I have. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Was that the first Civ you played as, for that reason? One of the first new ones. I actually started a game as one of the old Civs to play with all of the new ones. What's in your negative column for the expansion, presently? You know, honestly, I think the problem is just that I'm going into XP2 mode. So... When Civ Six first came out, I was really a brand new game, all of these great new features. It was remarkably complete for a vanilla game. But now that I've got the first XP, uh, it just feels, well, you know, that kind of half-done feel. I'm expecting all of the X features that aren't going to come for a year and a half. Oh, you can't help but think back to, say, compare Civilization Six Rise and Fall to Civilization Five: Gods and Kings. Yes, or even with Civilization Four, you know, the gap between Warlords and Beyond the Sword, pretty remarkable gap. Yeah. I think it's an understandable comparison up front, but if we compare Civilization Five upon release, even with all of the patches that came before the Gods and King expansion and the downloadable content that was released before that point, and then Civilization Six upon release, all of the patches since then, and the downloadable content were that much farther along in terms of understanding what the developers were going for in the game, number one, and number two, delivering on the experience that they said that we would have, because Civilization VI upon release, to me, was somewhere, not maybe not quite to the point of Civilization V Brave New World, but already what we were looking at was the first expansion pack, Gods and Kings. Oh, I definitely agree. Uh, so what, what you're saying really is, though, is that you're greedy and you want a next expansion pack right now? <laughs> Is that uh, somewhat? Is that the conclusion I have to draw here, sir? It's like <laughs> when I first tested out vanilla, you know, like, wow, this is really complete. This is really great experience. But and now that I've got this in Thrice and Fall, the experience is more like, uh, wow, there's so much more that they can do at this point, you know, because they're adding on to that experience. I don't know if I'm articulating this very well. Sounds like what you're saying is they've really raised the bar on themselves. Yeah. And yeah. you have no idea how they're possibly going to top it. It's just like, this is the best birthday present ever, which means <laughs> I can never invite you to another party because nothing will be better than this. So we might as well just end on a high. <laughs> See you later. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah, it's a good analogy. <laughs> so, Annalie, are you also looking for a new birthday cake and looking for another... <laughs> <laughs> Looking for another expansion pack to, to Civilization Six. What is your take on this expansion pack? You know, actually, I think I'm a little simpler than Alexander in, his, in expectations. I am just still thrilled that it's not Civ Five, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> positive category not Five. Okay. I mean, I've already played more hours in Six than I ever did in Five, and I just enjoy the game in general, but. I think with this new expansion, and, and I've only had really limited time to even play it, but I have been kind of following along with the releases they were doing every week and stuff for like updates and sneak peeks, adding in like the Dark Ages and Ages and the different things that kind of give you something to be like focusing on during the slow parts of your game, I thought was really entertaining. So, so far, I've had a really good experience with it. Though Alexander does like to throw in all the new leaders into his game. And I think that all the new leaders in the game together are a lot of warmongers. A bunch of psychos. <laughs> 
So heads up to that. We had a very warring game, but I really enjoy it. Okay, so you're saying that you, the two of you, had a very warring game, but that Alexander likes to add all of the new leaders into his game. So, Well, he set up our multiplayer game. How's that? Okay. And therefore, it's his. Because, yeah, I did see you both on Steam, and I wondered if you were playing the game together or you couldn't come to an agreement on how you were going to play the game. And you just <laughs> went off into your own separate corner to uh, outdo the other person. He begged me to do like a little very late night Friday night game last night and we played for a little bit and he did set up the game. He likes to set them up, use his own particular set of rules. Anyway, <laughs> which wow. is fine. Well, okay, wait a minute here. Alexander, are you going to go along with this characterization and description of how it happened? <laughs> and you begged, quote unquote, you begged yes. an for game? Is that true? Well, I wanted her to have something to talk about today. <laughs> Oh, oh, so it is true. Oh, you have acknowledged that. Okay, well. <laughs> it was her first uh, rise It was very charitable. He didn't want me to fall on my face in the interview, I guess. Just oh, I see. <laughs> well, you know, Alex, Anna Lee did used to be a regular co-host on the show. So, I, 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 you know, I hear you wanting to do this as a service to Anna Lee. I, I like how you're trying to characterize this. I'm not sure we're buying it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was a regular co-host on Revcast. Fair to say that you also know what it's like to be a regular co-host on a podcast. Both uh, Annalie and Alexander were original co-hosts on Revcast, which was the spinoff of Polycast for Civilization Revolution, the console civilization title. So what is the next step for you, Alexander? You've identified the pro and the con. If you say your next step is to play more Scotland, I'm going to have to ask you to give a different answer because that that is just that's just a given. You know, something else. Tell them that you're going to do a rough high. <laughs> Tell me your next step is going to be not to listen to Phil, and you can come back on the show anytime you want. Wait, what? Um, who said that? Did I say that out loud? Is this mic on? Oh. I mean, if you want to sacrifice optimization and your soul just so that you can come back on the show, then you can agree to that. But I don't recommend it. Honestly, I just need more time with with the game. Because, I mean, when you start a new game, you get a lot of early game experience. But you don't really get to see a lot of the later features. I mean, you might Unless you do, like, a late start game. Right. Yeah. It's a a good option. uh, And Dan likes it when you put that option. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. No, what I'm hearing from Alexander is he has commitment issues in seeing a game to the later stages. So, oh, that's a heck of a joke there. I don't hear Annalie disagreeing. Interesting. I, you know, <laughs> okay then. Well. I think it's just so much fun to set up a new game and like see what's going on in that world. That sometimes it's like, oh, should I start a new game? Should I load my other game? Oh, I'll start a new one because it's just kind of fun to see. Like, I don't know. It's always a surprise. Where am I going to end up on the world map? Where am I going to? You know, who am I going to be with? Well, at least that's for me, because I don't choose all of the leaders that I'm playing against like Alexander does. Oh, I was really hoping you were going to say, I just like to see Alexander squirm. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with as, like permanent alliance on the team. Yeah, because he doesn't want to fight against me and lose. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there was a very important reason for picking all of the leaders for like a, a custom setup. Ensuring there was no Gandhi. <laughs> oh. They actually have a real Indian leader now, though. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, like somebody who actually was a ruler of the country. They have one of those now for the first time in how many years? I mean, they had Ashoka and Sephora, so. 
Now, I I really hope that once this episode is post-produced and released, you can link to this episode and you can quote yourself in your signature and see how that goes for you. (laughs) I think you would enjoy the results immensely. In CFC? You want me to do that? Civilization Fanatic Center, absolutely. See what kind of response you get. Hey, it's promoting the show. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a, I might be willing. I mean, I've gone on record on CFC multiple times that Gandhi didn't belong in the game, so it's not like it's going to catch anyone off guard. But okay. no, just kind of stealth put that into your signature and see if anybody picks up on it and makes a big deal about it. I doubt it. Dan just likes to pick fights. <laughs> well, I kind of have as much infamy as fame on these forums, so like this isn't going to come as a surprise to too many people if I do it. But okay. Well, <laughs> why don't you leverage your infamy on the forums by leveraging how famous you are on Polycast? Yeah, okay. <laughs> why don't you combine these two things? All right. I don't know why I have to point this out to you. This just seems like a win-win for everybody. I just don't see why you think this would be a notable event coming from me. But okay. I, I'm not opposed to the idea, actually. It wouldn't do anything. I helped make it a notable <laughs> event because I pointed it out. I'm pretty sure that's how the internet works. It's true. So, Annalie, is uh, your next step for the game not to agree to Alexander's begging for a game? <laughs> no, I, I enjoy playing with Alexander. It's fun. Usually, I wrap myself up in work so much that I need to be reminded to take a minute and play a game. So, in all reality, he really is just helping me relax or something. (laughs) But I'll acquiesce to his request every once in a while. And to anyone listening to this, no, Annalie and Alexander did not meet online by playing the game. (laughs) No. No, actually... um, Alexander introduced you to the game we were dating way, way long ago. I introduced her to Civ 3, and she hated it. I did. And then <laughs> Civ 4, well, and she fell in love. Yeah. 300 episodes. Alexander, did you think we, Polycast, would make it to 300 episodes, especially after Annalie left the show? <laughs> well, I mean, why would anybody listen to it without Annalie on the show? I mean, uh, she's just the reason to... Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah. uh, no, <laughs> I did. Um <laughs> I know you're determined enough to reach this milestone. I think it's a great accomplishment. <laughs> the subtext of Alexander is, now that we reach 300 episodes, we're just going to cancel it. That's it. We're done. <laughs> That's it. We're out of here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is some hey now. <laughs> I don't think you could reach uh, 350. <laughs> oh, gosh. You think? You think uh, we could reach 350? That sounds like a challenge. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it. Yeah. All right. We will. <laughs> Then I'll be able to say, so there. Yeah, that's right. Huh? You're just <laughs> supposed are. to say, so there. <laughs> <laughs> we are yeah. so mature on the internet. In fact, we are so mature, we raise the average maturity of the person on the internet with this conversation. You are that's welcome. True. Yeah, I think the true. problem is when all of us met 10 years ago, I think we were a lot younger. <laughs> I think we just kind of revert back to that state we were back then. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> yeah. You are actively implying that I've matured in this time frame, and I do no, not agree. I, I, no, no, no. He said like, no, e- even in IRL. Annalise said younger, didn't say more mature. Oh, that's true. Well, she also said something about acting age and such, and so you know. Well, I didn't meet you ten years ago, so I don't know. That's true. I don't know. True, we haven't been on the show for an extended period of time, so you've been spared. And Lee, 300 episodes of Polycast. Did you think the show would survive after you left? Well, you know, I, yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> I no doubt. You and Mackie can't 
you know, stop your quirling long enough to let it go. So <laughs> you have what? to keep... I'm sorry, we did, couldn't stop our what now? You either said quirling or curling. Let's jump up that controversy. The quirling. Oh, the curling. curling. Totally curling. <laughs> no, I think, of course, I think it's uh, when people, you know, enjoy what they do, There's they can keep going indefinitely, right? And I think it's been a fun run for you guys. Well, we look forward to having both of you back on Polycast and to our other guests so far on this episode to be on a full episode. You, you might have heard earlier, this doesn't count towards your guest appearance, right? Oh, dang. <laughs> I've already said more than I usually did. And when I do a full episode. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying you're too young for this? Oh, did you want to hear that? There is no segue to your tagline, but we can perpetually say this, I guess. If I say that, does it count as a full episode? Uh, Ooh. (laughs) Yes and no. (laughs) Yes, then no. Um, I'm too young for this. I'm too old for this. That's true. (laughs) We have taken up your polycast time yes you have and you've helped make quality content thank you for reminding us of what that sounds like (laughs) (laughs) no i just gotta i gotta give a shout out to ed beach if he's listening bring back babylon (laughs) we're waiting what will you give ed if uh he brings babylon back um 30 we can't say that in polite company dan come on i'm sorry we're polite company since when i I will. Sometimes. I meant our listeners. Oh, oh, wait. We're, oh, we still have those? That's amazing. Yeah, I had no idea. Allegedly. We keep telling us that. People keep true. writing in, so I guess it's true. Those are just Dan's all accounts. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I think I heard Alexander say, did you say 30 internet cookies? Is that what you said? I would give him 30 internet cookies. We're, we're, we're going to have to apply an internet cookie tax to this. <laughs> 30 internet cookies. Is that one internet cookie for every 10 episodes of Polycast? Oh. Oh, you're doing math now. I haven't taken a math <laughs> class since 1999. <laughs> well, I didn't do math on purpose. Uh, man, that's, that's true. That's it's just too hard. Accidental. Accidental math inbound. Incidental I haven't math. discovered mathematics yet. Thank you to Cardamandua and Alexander for being back on Polycast. Thanks for inviting us. We enjoyed it. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Hello, Mike W. (laughs) Good day, everyone. And of course, uh, living in Germany, Mike is forever living in the future. So is uh, is the expansion pack still released in the future? Can we look forward to that? They didn't take it away? Yes. It has been released, but not played yet. First impressions of the good things that you've been hearing and reading about the expansion pack for Civilization VI, known as Rise and Fall. Well, I'm looking forward to the loyalty system very much. I think everyone was looking for it, and um, the people who already played it liked it so far as um, heard. The emergencies and the governors are two things I'm very intrigued by right now. I'm definitely more intrigued by the governors, if for no other reason, that they're there from essentially the beginning of the game. We've got more control over what those governors are doing, and they're certainly not like governors that we've seen in previous Civilization titles. I still remember when that was first announced, people were like, oh, are those like governors in Civilization Four? No, the only thing uh-huh. they share is the title and the fact that they're also in a Civ game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, there is really absolutely no comparison. What is in your negative column, Mike, from what you've been reading, either from a preview or a review of the game, or both? Nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. 
Canadian mode. Sorry, Dan. Sorry. No, that's okay. So you scored the expansion 11 out of 10? <laughs> Five out of seven. Hi. <laughs> 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 um, is your next step to play the expansion yourself? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. 300 episodes of Polycast. <laughs> w, what goes through your mind when you hear that? Well, I've been around since like episode 240, and I thought, wow, 240 episodes already. And back then it was already bi-weekly, so I thought, this guy is going like eight years already. Wow. And now we're at 300. And I don't say before, but more than 10 years, 11 years. Yeah, it's true. Polycast is, not only is it atypical in the number of years that we've been doing this show, but we're actually even more atypical in the fact that we record every other week, as compared to every week or monthly or even daily. In some cases, recording every other week from what I have seen and read myself is very atypical. So for some people, it's like, wow, you've been recording for 12 years and you quote unquote only have 300 episodes. But I would also say, look for another podcast that has as much post-production and polish applied to it. And then, then, then we can talk. Yeah. You have been the guest on two episodes, and unfortunately, this does not count as your third appearance. You've probably heard this already, but I'll just mention it just because I like to, you know, throw that in. <laughs> we uh, certainly thank you for being on the 300th episode of Podcast. Thanks for having me. Hello, ZT Zarish. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. Thanks for the invite. Ah, you're welcome. What is in your tops the best thing? of the Civilization VI expansion pack, Rise and Fall, for you right now, two days after release. I'll give you a hint. It's what you hate the most about it. <laughs> You're playing an advanced start. You can leave right now. No, I, no. I, I tell you what, you are not... No. <laughs> no, it's the Zulus. Oh. <laughs> the Zulus. They're my favorite. I love to go early game aggression. I'm really excited for them, personally. They're a strong save, too. Excited to play as them or play against them? Play as them, and then have you be upset when I'm in a multiplayer game with you and they're next to you. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, Don't forget, you can still do joint wars and bribe them and stuff. Like that's okay. an important thing to remember, just in case, just in case you need it for some reason, you can yeah. do that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I've already chosen your alignment to fill. Okay. That's good to know. You've just chosen an alignment against Dan, not necessarily with me. I mean, well, for the purposes of just dogpiling you, sure, but. <laughs> with match and gone i had to choose somebody to be against so <laughs> wait i'm your second choice after mad Jin about who you would like to go against oh that that actually is very sweet you know the way you said that i i feel a little better about myself now i you know I... <laughs> thank you <laughs> no i'm not thanking you no i'm you, you... <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I have more reserved thoughts than everybody, I think, that I've heard so far about the expansion. It sounds like you've got some things in your mind that are less than positive. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's not like they're bad. I just have my reservations. That's all. I thought that Civ 6 was definitely an improvement on 5 from my perspective, but I'm a little concerned about a lot of things that are, you know, plus ones, like the governors giving bonuses and great ages giving bonuses, you know? I'm worried about, like, plus one feature creep when, when you get a bunch of that, kind of like in uh, Beyond Earth, where it was all, like, plus one this, plus one that. So I'm a little afraid about having more of that because I felt like Civ 6 was already quite complex. So I, I kind of wanted them to, you know, deal with some of the core issues, you know, like uh, the UI stuff, or I'm not sure if they dealt with it. I don't know. But uh, no, that or, completely. 
Yeah, yeah, or like making it even more different from Civ Five is something I want. And maybe this does that. I, I could be wrong. I haven't had like a really in-depth look, and I haven't purchased the expansion, so I don't really know like what I think about it yet. I just have reservations about all these things because there aren't too many things that I'm really, really impressed by and that I kind of wanted out of it. So I'm a little bit reserved. I think that Great Ages could go either way. Like they could be great, or they could be you know something that could go wrong. You know, depending on on how they play out, and, and that's something I can't make a judgment on, right? Because you have to play the game. Loyalty seems like a cool idea because now you have something else apart from domination but i think that some players might hate having their cities flip so i'm not sure what to think about that either it needs tuning but it's not a bad idea and i say that as a heavy ore monger because like there's some situations where i don't i don't know that it's completely reasonable but for mm. the most part like if you plan for it it has counterplay okay okay it's not just some players don't want to see their cities flip. I believe that's all players, or certainly <laughs> uh, almost all players do not want to see their cities flip. Just saying. Yeah, no, no, I, I see. Yeah, certainly so. <laughs> but other I just people think some cities. people would be. I think some people might be like turned off, like if it's like not tuned properly. Like I could see like people getting very upset about that. There's an icon on the general front screen where uh-huh. you look at everything that yeah. shows that a city is going up or down in loyalty. And if it's pretty fast, you get a flashing fist icon over the city. So okay. it's not going to be a surprise when it happens. But mm-hmm. sometimes like it'll flip back so quickly that there's not a lot of good counterplay to it. Um, oh, okay. Basically, it limits distance conquering, as opposed to if you just keep conquering cities and gouging pop so that the loyalty pressure is more uniform. You can do some stuff with policy cards, uh, governors, that kind of stuff to counteract mm-hmm. it. As Conceptually, I like the idea. We'll see how well it plays out, but it's a decent enough addition. Yeah. I think the governors are stronger and uh, age yeah. is a little bit less so. Because the governors okay. really make you think about how you build your empire to get their bonuses. And they can... Okay game turning and a lot of yields off them if you want more information on loyalty there's also the loyalty lens so you can see the pressure that's coming from other civilizations and also the degree to which there is pressure and gives you a little bit more breakdown if you want to again look at some of those numbers and do some maths (laughs) okay now i see yeah you mentioned before about the great ages i'm you said that this would either be good or a bad thing for the in what way well, okay, so there's the obvious, you know, like, is this a catch-up mechanic? Like, I, we don't know till it's, like, the numbers, till we see the numbers. How much player control is involved, right? So do you feel like you have control over whether you go into a great age or not? You know, so those kinds of things are hard to tell until you play, right? So I'm not sure if it'll be something that's been tuned properly and will feel, like, good when everybody's playing it. Or will some people feel like, oh, that's not fair. He got a heroic, you know, age, and now he's coming back super hard, you know? So I, I don't know how that's going to all play out. Well... There are lots of variables that can get you error score, which would then contribute towards whether or not you're going to be in a normal age, because that's where you start at the beginning of the game. Whether you're an advanced stars person or not, you start. You start. I, I just had to. I just had to throw that out there again. One thing, I, when I saw the Great Ages that I was a little disappointed about is I was hoping they were going to do something where the ages all feel very different. They can't really focus on making the ages different now because they have this mechanic, and I think it would kind of confuse people. Like, I, I would love to go into every age and feel like, oh, I'm in the industrial age. Now we have railroads, and we have, I have this to plan. You know, like, I would love that to happen, you know, to have like a focus every age. Do you know what I mean? Have it really immerse you. Yeah, because when you get to a particular age... At some point in the game, there seems to be the same number that you're able to choose from. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, do I get to choose one if I'm in a dark age or or a normal age? Or do I get to choose three, like if I'm in a golden age or a heroic age? If you get one in a dark age and you get one in a normal age, kind of interesting to play around with that. Maybe you get two in a normal age and only one in a dark... Anyway, lots of things to consider and look at. Mm -hmm. So last to you, 300 episodes... 
of Polycast. What say you to that? <laughs> I mean, that, that's really impressive, and I'm glad to be included in this. <laughs> Ever since the first time you told me to get on, and I was really surprised that you wanted me to talk about Tiv. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised you guys managed to keep going and keep the quality up so high. I mean, I've, I've listened to other podcasts, and rarely do they stay up to the standard. CT, thank you very much for joining us on episode 300 of the show. Thank you. It was appreciated. Hey, Semper. There we go. So welcome, at last, to the 300th episode of Polycast. <laughs> well, thank you. How was your experience with Civilization VI Rise and Fall? What is in your plus category? I'm really liking the Aegis system. My wife and I started playing a hot seat game yesterday. She's not as strong of a player, but she had a good indication of where she was at and how she was doing with the ages. So I kind of like the more intuitive, hey, you're not going to totally suck next age, or you kind of need to pick up the pace, or somebody's going to come knocking on your doorstep. Usually me, but you know. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? They sh- In April of this year, they should release a patch. And part of that patch is that I'm certain the AI can have it set up so that the AI can track what the other civs are doing in terms of the age that they've launched into. And if you get yourself into a dark age, you could get one of those diplomacy contacts, those great ones that you can't do anything. And they just say, you know, next era, maybe you won't suck so much. <laughs> just for the lull factor would be fantastic. And just watch the community rage. Oh, I just. And thanks for the idea. <laughs> you try not sucking so hard. Yeah. You say that your wife is playing Civ, so did the two of you meet over a game of Civ online and it was, you know, love at first click? No, for a while we actually lived across state from one another, so trying to find activities to do together, I introduced her to Civ, and so she started playing around Civ 4, and so we've been playing pretty much ever since. Ah, uh, so she learned to play the game to, get, to be able to uh, get closer to you, and you guys have something to do when you're so far apart? Yeah, uh, it so basically became a uh, you know, multiplayer date night or something like that. Uh, was your wedding Civ themed? No, it was normal because uh, I think we're closet geeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much now, I think. But uh, So nice. Civ is abnormal. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or perhaps the Civ themed wedding is is what he's implying. What are you and no, I will just sort of what are you and or your wife not enjoying about the expansion pack for Civilization Six? I think it's the the diplomacy of the AI is still kind of strange. The weird war declarations, even though they're nowhere near the other Civ or they can't possibly get to the other Civ. Um, yeah, especially with the loyalty you know, mechanic. That kind of sucks for the AI. <laughs> between that and, I don't know if it's just having to do with, you know, the expansion or just how the Civs behave in general, but the weird commentary that they'll send you randomly of, hey, it's nice to see that you're not winning, or it's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to that. And diplomatically, you don't really have a, okay, thanks, or we'll see who lasts last sort of response. There's no real indication of what the AI is trying to tell you other than are they mocking you or are they afraid of you? You know what I'm going to do the next time, whether it's a single-player game or a multiplayer game, and an AI sends me one of those notifications? If I haven't already denounced them or they haven't denounced me, I'm just going to close that window and I'm immediately going to denounce them for annoying me. That's going to be my new going forward. That's that's. <laughs> I wish I'd realized this when the game came out, but you know, better late than never. So what's your next step going to be, Semper, for Civilization VI Rise and Fall? I think I'm going to be trying to explore the Aegis mechanic more. 
right now kind of playing as normal, not trying intentionally to get a heroic age or a dark age. And I'd like to explore that dynamic more, just how not easily abused it could be. Um, my wife's going to be the side eye. Um, but seeing, <laughs> oh, seeing how um, play the, uh, you know, just how penalized, because a lot of Civ games, as you get towards the end, kind of snowballs, and it's really feels like it's easy to determine who's the winner, and I would like to see um, how easy it is for the player to either catch up from behind or, um, you know, how everybody else reacts if you are constantly, constantly in the lead. Okay, that sounds a little bit like what I was talking about. Do you want to uh, join my club where we try to game, I mean, uh, explore this aspect of the <laughs> gameplay? We can call ourselves the Ageists. Do you think that'll that'll go over well? I, I don't think there's any problem with our calling ourselves that. No one else uses that term. We're, we're probably good, yeah? I suddenly expect patch notes that are going to directly call us that and be like, no, no, you may not. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there were patch notes telling us that we couldn't do something, I think we'll just turn around and do it anyway, just out of spite. I think, I think the gauntlet's being thrown, so we'll see. We'll see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> I said your wife was giving you a glance, so uh, is she listening to the podcast? She's listening to the live stream right now. Can she hear what we're saying as well as what you're saying, or just your side? No, she watches the uh, the edited, cleaned-up version, so oh. just saying. If <laughs> oh, okay. All right, so that means I, I, I could say something and not get in trouble with her. Okay, that's good, that's good to know as long as I edit it out of the episode. Okay, I'm making a note of that right now. No, kidding. Um, <laughs> you... <laughs> well, you've been a guest uh, a couple of times before on this show here we are at episode 300 what do you think of that where the show is at right now where it's going where you think it should go i you know for as long as it's been around it feels like the episode should be higher i guess but since it's every other week it's not going to be a really really high episode number but i mean i've seen you know my pms back as far as 2014 which feels like centuries ago and I, I think it's cool to have a community, anything that's been around for as long as it has. It's good to show how the game and the community have kind of progressed over the years. So hopefully it'll be around much longer and for many more. Civs. Are you uh, going to throw a number out there in terms of uh, number of uh, next episodes? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I've probably been listening intermittently since, I don't know, I think episode 190-something? It's hard to say one of these days. Wouldn't be like, hey, I want my kids to hear this and say, hey, remember when your dad was on Podcast 300? They'll probably look at me and be like, what's a podcast? But, you know. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. If that's what they say, that's that's uh, that's timeout territory right there. I tell you what, you know, you'll say things like that. Yeah. You well, need to teach them early. That that's not acceptable. <laughs> it's okay. This is where we all hide in the podcast. You take away their podcasting privileges. There you go. There we go. <laughs> or make them listen to the podcast, one of the two, whether they like it or don't like it. Like, oh. hey, remember this? <laughs> nice. <laughs> one way or another, I'll win, right? Yeah, well, the show will win, too, because then there's more listens to the show, and I love stats. Oh, yeah. So it's a win-win. Both Mackie and Phil are rolling their eyes in unison right now. Yep. I'm sure they've coordinated this long ago. <laughs> I just auto-tuned it out. Not just tuned it out, auto-tuned it out. (laughs) That's been the plan all along. Thank you, Phil, for contributing to the musical content of this show. I do my best, Dan. Semper, thanks very much for being on episode 300 of the show. Well, thanks for having me. 
right before the expansion came out, there was a patch. The February 2018 base game update, quote-unquote, as described by publisher 2K Games. And this is a base game update. You do not have to have the Rise and Expansion pack now or at any point in the future in order to benefit from these. And there are a few that I want to point out. And I think we will use this kind of as a springboard to our conversation on the next episode because we'll be able to talk about more of our gameplay experiences but also with regards to these changes. First, rework start position algorithm to spread major powers evenly across the map first and then insert city-states in the margins. Results in improved distances between civilizations and better quality for major civ start positions. That's already being contested in the civ community. (laughs) Yeah, well... Maybe just for now, we'll... Added notification about production salvage from a wonder. Make sure that that production is credited. Well, I still think that unless we're going back to Civilization 4 days, Civilization 6 carries over the Civilization 5 tradition of fail gold is fail, or in this case, you know, fail production is fail production, but I guess something is better than nothing. <laughs> I believe we mentioned on an earlier episode about the reduction science per population from 0.7 to 0.5, which is significant. I, I'm not certain how much we can emphasize that, regardless of what victory condition you are going towards. This is slowing down your progression through the technology tree, let alone the change to Eureka Boosts. Although, bear in mind, you do have a multiplicative modifier available to you from governors now, so that's a bit of an offset if you grow your city sufficiently and get that from the new governor. That is an option there. But yes, this is a significant change. <laughs> you, you will be relying much more on your campus stuff to be multiplied and that governor in order to get research up there. And I'm just highlighting particular things from the patch list. I'm not going through the entire thing. Under the AI, AI is much less likely to trade its cities away as part of a peace deal. Well... I'm still seeing it, but it's not as egregious. So it's more reasonable now. You can't just get like 10 plus cities from minimal damage inflicted. Yeah, I don't think it was a systemic problem in Civilization VI, but at some point, yeah, it would be, you're giving away all of this. Is that because you have no units, but you've got city strengths that are 70, 80, 90, and I've still got field cannons, and you've got all this rough terrain, etc., etc. Why did you just give away absolutely everything? when you could just bombard my stuff to death or drag this out infinitely. So any improvement to that would be welcome. Yes, as long as it doesn't go to the extreme the other way of, we're doing fine on our own! Thanks, Civ 4. <laughs> AI prefers garrison ranged units over melee. Oh, have that unit garrisoned in the city so then these quote-unquote city can bombard twice in a turn. Or more, if that ranged unit has more than one shot that it can fire. That's a good idea. It's helpful, but it's not always good, because melee units increase the strength of the city. So if if the city's at risk, it might make more sense to put something stronger in there and uh, shoot from behind it in some circumstances. But I think, on average, it is better this way for the AI, because the AI is not going to be able to evaluate that with any consistent decency. So might as well just let it do what's better typically. And, oh, the improved resource trading. AI considers luxury resources it is currently importing. Thank you. I still remember on release, it's, you know, I've got three copies of wine. The AI just took the second wine, and they paid more for it than the first sometimes. Uh, We talked about, like, trade brokering. That would be fantastic if that was purposeful and intentional. We didn't think the AI was doing it 
this patch note tells me that they were definitely not doing that. So hopefully considering luxury resources it is currently importing means that I don't need a second copy of this because it's not going to help me. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they're getting really meta, which is, yes, please trade that second resource to me so you're not trading it to somebody else and they're not getting the amenity too, but I think that's thinking way too outside the box. Here's my favorite under artificial intelligence. If the AI can capture or significantly damage a target city, it may ignore hostile units nearby to do that. No, it shouldn't just may, it should. It should go ahead and take that city. It should full stop be doing that. Unless. If you got a city retaken, though, that unit's dead. So you have to be careful with that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, unless that hostile unit's going to be able to turn around and take that city back, it absolutely should not delay in taking that city and going after that unit. That it happens way, way, way too much. Or hopefully, based on this patch note, it did that way too much. I would love to be able to put that into the past category. User interface improvements. Lol, lol, lol. I'm just going to highlight a few here. Defeated notification indicates whether a city state or full civ was eliminated. Show turns until denouncement clears. That's very helpful. Very helpful, especially since it wasn't being documented otherwise on screen, although clearly the game was tracking that because it would block you from <laughs> declaring. It's an example. Fixed map pin corruption when deleting and adding map pins. I found that a oh, lot. Oh, thank you. In multiplayer. Yeah. It was freaking brutal. I just added a second pin, and the second pin has the label that the first pin had, and the first pin now has no label. Yeah, what? How, how did that happen? And <clears throat> speaking of multiplayer, something to note in our cooperative games, and even in the competitive games, I expect, changing default resources option to standard for multiplayer. There is a map generation issue where set, uh, setting resources to abundant and start position to balance results in Civ starting positions being too close together. Well, that's why that kept happening. <laughs> I think that was seen more in games hosted not by me. I always set it to standard the start position, and I never set resources to abundant. It was always, always standard. The start position to balanced, I get that. Okay, Civ starting positions being too close together. I guess resources to abundant being too close together means that the game was not able to as easily distinguish okay, in this part of the map, you're guaranteed this number of luxury resources or the chance to get this number of luxury resources, and so that completely screwed up its placement? Question mark. Improved stability when the game host leaves the game in multiplayer? Hey, we'll take any improved stability. Uh, I mean, to 2K and for access credit. <laughs> yeah. Civ 6 multiplayer on release is better than Civilization 5 multiplayer is today, but we'll still take that. Make sure you can't declare war on a teammate. <laughs> well, <laughs> oops. Handy, handy. I don't know which were these two to cite first. I highlighted these in red in the note. I'm going to talk about this one because I don't know what this means. I think this is a typo. It's been a couple of days since, from this recording, that this patch came out. I went back and checked the notes because this was copy and pasted on Civilization Fanatic Center. This is what it still reads as of this recording. Players could not ready up when dirty from another match. <laughs> I kind of get what that means, but uh, that's funny. Uh, you need to clear your cash more often. Here is one that we really need to pay attention to in this game, and I would say especially my game that likes to have a break, whether it's however long it happens to be. But even in the other game, there tends to be a break. Pausing the game could desync multiplayer games. Mm, what? Yes. Well, I mean, is that really a surprise given our experience? But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not a good but thing. at the same time, that's that's oh. that's pretty crummy. Yeah, 
I read this, are you acknowledging that which we've already experienced for the first time, or are you telling us that this is a marked increased probability with the result of the expansion to the point that you feel it necessary or at least worthwhile to officially document in a patch note? Oh, wow. I mean, the fact that we can pause the game, again, is an improvement over Civilization Five and turn timers, but... Wow. Okay, so I guess if that happens, to me, the desync then becomes how quickly is the desync rectified? And I guess if it's really bad, then we can just go ahead and rehost the game. But I hope that's not the end of that point. I hope they're working on correcting that because that shouldn't be. Oh, it just has a, a, an absolute statement. Like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're not well written patch notes, <laughs> like just in the general sense. That is true. Support the ongoing Polycast Patreon campaign. Collective achievements. Personal incentives. Month-to-month commitment. For more information, visit thepolycast.net slash Patreon. Call Call in in today. today. In North America, the number is 301-637-7659. That's 301-637-POLY. In Europe, 44-121-288. 7659. That's 44121288 Polly. The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. For more information on Polycast, our sibling shows Modcast, Revcast, and Turncast, or about Polycast in general, log on to the series official website at thepolycast.net. I'm going to go back to Mackie and Phil, starting with Phil, to see if there's anything else that uh, you want to add about uh, what you've heard today from our guests in terms of Civilization VI Rise and Fall. No, not for now. We'll see how it goes as we play it. And what about you, Mackie? Uh, about the same here. I have to play more to figure it out. I believe we have said all there is to be said right now about the game. And I think all of us... <laughs> I think Mackie, Phil, and myself, we I think we probably need to leave now because we have more research to do for the next show. See, mm, we're not yes. even finished one episode and we're already planning the next one. That is our dedication to you across the, uh, the next episodes that we release. Yeah, across the next episodes. Exactly. And if it sounds like the number has been cut off, I, I have set a number, but every single time I say that number, it's probably going to get cut out. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. There's nothing I can do. Weird. You know, internet, it's, it's packet loss, really. The damn packets. <sighs> yeah. Packets are going in circles and getting lost. Happens all the time. Speaking of getting lost. <laughs> yeah, let's get lost. This has been episode 300, Umergird, of Polycast. Uh, with me as usual, Dan Quick. Which way to get lost? Uh, uh, ask Siri, maybe she knows the me and team. Always bringing you the finest strategies. The finest trolling, too, yes. And myself, Makalua. To all of our guests who appeared on this episode, thank you for your time and your insight as well. You can declare on Dan with us. Well, it's the obvious thing is to pick Shaka, declare on Dan. So yeah, well, or or bribe Shaka to declare on Dan. All the rest this of works too. On Dan, yeah. I saw who's not playing in my game tonight. So if you <laughs> apparently nobody, <laughs> since we're all going to dogpile you regardless of who's playing. So you know. I think Dan's <laughs> already preemptively banned Shaka. I have to host the other game. I can't declare on Dan. 
I mean, it's okay. We can uh, declare them with Mongolia instead. That's fine. Congrats on, on getting that far. So hopefully you get another 300. Thank you, Monthar. Mackie is now double face palming. And well, I'm going to take it into a decade. <laughs> Only. A big and deal. there'll be a whole lot more singing in the rain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was just for me. Face palm with eye twitch. Wow, I'm so glad that you expressed your opinion about this when it wasn't <laughs> asked for. So, what are you oh, most... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Way to treat a guest there, Tia. To be fair, that is a, a, an appropriate response. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you saying you're committing to binge listening to the number of podcast episodes you're currently uh, in detriment and listening to? <laughs> When I was 18, I used to take a big, thick manual into the bathtub with me and just read while I was bathing. I miss that. You can't do it with a cell phone or an iPad because then, you know. <laughs> well, I thought that you can't, but... <laughs> well, you can't, but <laughs> it's not advisable. You can hear the rest of Jonah's story by calling 1-900... No. Uh... <laughs> I have a question. Are you and Annalie in the same room right now? Yep. yep. Yeah, oh, you like didn't meet yourself. Oh, is that my problem? <laughs> yeah, there's a bit sorry of Sorry about that. There. I was trying to figure out what was going on. His <laughs> mic doesn't work as... Anyway, sorry about that. that that's okay. Alexander <laughs> just wanted it. to be in stereo. I understand. He wanted to take over the show. It's been his long-standing <laughs> We have to apologize. We were up really late last night playing Civ, so we didn't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. You were doing prep for this show. Yeah. This is true. That's right. <laughs> and now you need to go back and do more prep for your next appearance in gosh knows when. That's right. For episode 350, right, Alexander? Yeah, coming up in 2020. And that's when we will have hindsight. Okay, and have you back. <laughs> By the way, it is absolute atrocity if you do not call this cast, this is polycast or something to that effect. This will make a great outtake, by the way. Just me saying out loud what I'm doing technically. It's, it's fantastic podcasting. It really is. Added value for people on the live stream, I tell you what. Record date February 10th, 2018. Civilization 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6 clips. Copyright Take 2 Interactive. Copyright Civilized Communication at civcom.net.